Hi, I'm Max Weisbrod. I'm the founder of Baton, a free matchmaking service that helps pair early stage startups with the executive talent that they need to get to that next stage. Today on Fractionally Speaking, I am joined by Karina Mickley, who is a fractional COO and also a founder of the prominent and fast-growing community of fractionals called Fractionals United. Karina, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do? Sure, and thank you for having me. So as a fractional COO, I help founders focus on their areas of strength. No one goes into business to run a business. And I come in as a partner and take over anything that the founder or CEO does not want to handle. You know, the people, the systems, just make sure that everything runs smoothly and efficiently. And as the founder of Fractionals United, I'm just creating or I have created a free community for all current fractional leaders as well as leaders considering going fractional so that they just have a place to connect, collaborate, and learn from each other. So zooming in on your fractional practice, what are the problems that uh, these uh, founders or business owners are seeing that uh, drive them to start having a conversation with you? I think the two biggest problems. One is they get overwhelmed, right? Like things are going well. They can't, like they're so stuck in the weeds, they can't do the thing that they that they love, whether it's it's dealing with the relationships or focusing on the product or the tech or whatever it is. Like they have to deal with the people and the systems and the customers. And it gets to the point where like they're not, you know, like it's their baby, but they hate it because they're not doing the aspects of it that brought them here to begin with. So having a fractional COO as a partner is a perfect solution because I literally do anything they don't want to do and at the level, you know, where I treat it as my own so they can have the confidence of knowing it's in good hands and focus on their areas. And the other problem is you know, it's not, it's not optimized. It's not efficient. They have too many systems or like, you know, they follow the new shiny and there's no focus, you know, and at some point you're not going to continue to scale, you know, because either you're wasting time and money, you know, on anything and everything that crosses your path, or there are too many tools and nobody knows where to look for what. So it's just not efficient and effective. So again, I come in, and I help like optimize and streamline and, and put in structure, you know, like kind of like grow, helping the company grow up. And so everybody really knows where to go for what and what to do and what to focus on so that all the logistics is taking up space and time. One thing that I think a lot of early stage founders and, and business owners have a lot of trouble with is, is actually letting go. They've brought this person in. They are starting to take over systems, they're taking over things, and they're doing things differently from how they would do it. So how do you navigate that? How do you build trust and, and get that, you know, get those transitions to happen so that they're able to, to, you know, focus on the things that they love? So one thing that I've learned to do first off is like you it, it there's a, a two-way vetting process, right? You know, you don't. I don't just take on any fractional work without having a conversation and making sure that we get along from the get-go, and that I believe they're ready. 
able to do that. Like, obviously, there will be hiccups and they'll want to be, you know, kept in the loop, which I'm very big on it. You know, like I don't, A, I don't go in there to change for the sake of change. My first step is always to ask a lot of questions at all levels and to bring to the CEO what my thinking is before I start, get their buy-in and then keep them in the loop. And, and I'm very open. Um, I'm very big on openings, communication, transparency, up, down, right, left, all around. You know, that's critical. But before I take on a role, I need to feel like there is that a mutual respect from the get-go, right? Because if if they're not ready to even work with me to get to the point, there's no point. You know, like I've been in situations like that and it's just painful for everyone and there's no point in that. So I've gotten, um, I've learned to be more careful before taking on a role and have and, and have it a two-way vetting, right? Like you interview them as much as they interview you. And they need to be ready at least, or, or at least honest with you that like, I want to get there, but I've had trouble. So help me. And this is how you can help me. As like a person with a fractional product practice, I'm all too uh, aware that, you know, sometimes they they aren't ready and, and a big part of it is coming in and saying, look, here's what I would do. Here's what I would do if I were to come into your business. And then also there are, you know, just like criteria, right? Like if they don't have like half a million dollars in revenue, I would just be burning money, right? Like I, I there's not enough signal for me to come in and build out their product practice inside of their firm. So what are you looking for? Like what stage are you coming in in and what are like the objective metrics or uh, attributes of those those firms that make them a perfect partner for you? So I look at it more as um, from an employee headcount perspective rather than revenue. Ideally, I like to come in when they're at 10 employees or need to get to 10 quickly. Because at that point, you need, you know, structure and oversight and, and, you know, someone at the executive leadership level who is not just the founder. I've done the zero to one in my career. I'm not interested in being there right now anymore. Like, you know, you don't need me chasing AR and doing that kind of stuff. I can, but seriously, like, you're spending too much if you're asking me to do that, and I don't want to do it anymore. So when you get to the 10, you know, I'm leading a team. I'm strategizing. I'm your partner. I'm making sure things are getting, you know, the, the right people are doing the right things at the right time. But you don't want me being the one doing all the things day to day. And there are there are some fractional executives who are willing to do, yeah. you know, yeah. these tasks that, frankly, could be possibly more more inexpensively delegated but if they're coming in with kind of like um you know senior manager or director level experience maybe that is part of like their sweet spot yeah so talking more about like the transformation that you're delivering inside of these firms you know they're coming in are you using are you relying on like some framework like entrepreneurial operating system um are you thinking about it differently more diversely than that is there you know a, a particular business model that you specialize in um how do you think about that transformation and like where you're taking them 
So I have used and implemented EOS, but it's not necessarily what I default to. I kind of do like the Jeet Kune Do approach where like I've read and studied a bunch of systems and I just tend to focus. I, I don't look at it as a framework. I look at it as what's working or what's not, right? I will look at like the people, the communication systems, just the gaps and inefficiencies and decide what needs in on a individual, you know, because no two, it, it's funny, like there, there are systems that I've rolled out in so many different instances and so many different industries. And to me, they're just common sense and obvious, but obviously they're not. And you know, it, it, that's why, like, I don't have one framework. I look at it like what's what's working and what's not. For instance, the the system I I used to call it. What did I call it? Uh, communication alert system. You know, it's very simple. It's basically just okay. All the key stakeholders. What are the changes that, like, if marketing makes a change, who needs to know? You know, or like I come from publishing, which is where I first created this. Like if editorial makes a change, who needs to know? And literally just spelling it out for people and giving them a little cheat sheet. And this was back in the day, you know, like before all the automations and current systems and chat GPT. We're like, okay, here's your cheat sheet. If you, you know, like marketing, if anything moves three days or more, here's a distribution list. You know, just email these people. That's simple. You know, but you spell it out for people so everybody is in the know. And it's just these kind of like little systems that just seem obvious, but make such a difference because you're not chasing your tail and on the fly being like, who do I tell? Oh, I don't know. Let me just move on because it's in your face. It's spelled out. You know, it, it's simple things like that that really make. And I think I I rolled out that system like probably 10 plus times. <laughs> It is wild how, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of uh, in firms that are that are started, especially by like young people who maybe haven't worked in an old school office or a corporate environment where there is like a deep well of institutional knowledge. There's a lot of reinvention of the wheel. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like uh, a, a simple like, you know, uh, employee handbook. Uh, with uh, clarity on how escalations work and who approves of what, just written in a document, yep. what yep. used to be, you know, printed, right? You would, you know, on your first day, you'd get like this, you know, little, little booklet with the, you know, the wire uh, backing. You, you'd have to read through it and, and you know, maybe know. somebody I would stand in the front. Yeah, yeah. Sign off on each of the parts. Make sure that you understood that, hey, you know, you have to notify people two weeks in advance if you're going to take a vacation. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, more than half the team can't be on vacation at the same time. <laughs> Things like that. Um, I, I, I just I see them get reinvented. So switching gears because you do you know, run one of uh, the the hottest communities in the, you know, ecosystem um, for Axles United, uh, which last i checked had like 2500 members um it seems like it's growing all the time where is it at now uh yesterday i we're not at 27 yet but we're close so we're it was like 2660 something last i checked <laughs> yeah 
And it's just, you know, it's just rocketing because the space is growing so quickly. Um, and it's one of the friendliest and most accessible spaces. So what's the topic of the day? Like, why are so many people jumping into this space and why? So it's interesting that you bring that up because one of our members, Emma Wesley, actually just posted about that on LinkedIn and it started a conversation. She had her three reasons and she was asking people to chime in on why. And she was saying that it's not just the flexibility, it's also the variety, which I think, so from my perspective, I think it's a combination of things. I it's almost like a perfect storm, right? Like COVID happens and there were lots of bad things because of it. But I think one of the good things that came out of it is that remote work isn't going away, you know, and and people were forced to rethink a lot of things, including how they work. And that, oh my God, something like this can happen and so many people dying and life is short so you want to you want to have time to appreciate it and family and all of that so i don't think there's any going back to the crazy par- you know the crazy i don't want to call it work ethic cuz it's i think it's a bad thing the way like everybody was just like head down um before and fractional is is a solution you know if you're a leader I, I cannot tell you how many times when I was W2, after 9 to 12 months, I was bored. And if you look in my background, every 9 to 12 months, I either got promoted, let go, or moved on. Because I worked myself out of a job, and I needed something else where I was, you know, twiddling my thumbs. And I thought it was a me thing, and now I realize it's not. Like, that is a pattern for competent people. And, you you know, it's almost irresponsible it is irresponsible for any founder on a budget to just, you know, be narrow-minded and be like full-time, full-time when like you can get the same and better as a fractional and not be wasting their time in your money. And it's, it just, you know, once you know about it and understand it, it's such a win-win. It makes so much sense. And because it's been in the news and people are either you know, forced to be in transition or, you know, don't want to go back to what they were. So seeing what else is out there and they see this and they're like, oh, this sounds really good. You mean I can make as much as I was before and not be working full time and like, you know, forced to like work crazy hours because I have more say and I have variety and I can choose whom to work with and focus on the things that matter. Yes, please sign me up. But but the problem is, like, there right now, there is more supply than demand. So it is currently hard to find the leads. And we just need to all, like, work on spreading awareness. And I think over time, it will become just like you can apply for a full-time job, you can apply for a fractional job, you know, and it'll just be the thing. But we're not there yet. One interesting concept that I've started to see appear inside of the tech community, especially, is that of a tour of duty. Basically thinking about leadership roles in terms of stints, because realistically speaking, 
if you go and grab a VP or a director at a Fortune 500, and they're used to working inside of a firm and making decisions based on, you know, dashboards, established metrics, working through uh, multiple layers of management in order to handle hiring and things like that. Even if they're good for that stage, even if they're great at that stage, bringing them in to where you're playing, where they don't have like their initial, you know, standard operating procedures in place and they've got 10 employees, they're not going to thrive in that situation. And uh, executives tend to play within certain gates and they're effectively running laps on those gates. Sure, you know, uh, some people, you know, continue to grow and they continue to grow at the same rate of this, as the firm or faster, um, getting bored, all of that. But in a lot of cases, what you really want as a, as a founder is somebody who's done exactly what you're trying to do before, right? You want them to come in, you want them to execute against a playbook that they already have use relationships and, and networks that they already have in place and and deliver to get you to that next milestone. So when we're talking about this fractional community, who do you see like succeeding in selling this vision and, you know, kind of like value to founders? And who do you see struggling, making the leap to getting those first couple of deals? struggling to actually succeeding as one of these you know fractional uh, leaders or consultants yeah so I would say that people who have relationships with VCs and Ps are definitely the ones who are having you know who have existing relationships with VCs and Ps are you know having the most success. Because the the VCs and PEs tend to have like a network that they constantly, ref, you know, refer people, you know, once they know you do good work, they will constantly refer people to you. Those that don't have those relationships are having to do it the old fashioned way through business development, networking. And, you know, for those of us who have you know if you're a COO or uh, anything but a CRO or CMO or CSO you don't necessarily have to do that in your W2 life so it's been a challenge to figure out how to do that and to understand that you're working for yourself and then that is now part of what you have to do on an ongoing basis unfortunately so I'm in the the latter camp, right? I built my personal practice to you know around forty thousand a month, the 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 hard way, yeah. um, uh, by you know reaching out to people, word of mouth also to the people that I got, developing my own network. Um, what camp were were you in originally? The hard way, <laughs> <laughs> and um, what. What worked for you? What channels did you see that you developed that 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 actually worked? And what was the messaging that you that you and positioning that you did that that got you there? So I'll be honest, what worked when I first started this and what works now are two different things. So I'm what happened was I actually went full time with one of my fractional clients. Um I also do workflow consulting on the side. So 
I had a workflow client who I mentioned in passing that I do fractional COO work. She started referring to me as her COO without discussion, which was really interesting and, you know, ideal. And over time, I gave her more more of my time and actually went full-time with her for a short bit uh, because we worked really well together. And when I came, um, and, and as often happens, once systems and, you know, everything are in place, they were too small to really need a full-time COO, right? So we parted ways amicably in the beginning of the year. And I came back to a very different landscape. And what worked two plus years ago no longer works. So that is actually part of why I started Founder uh, Fractionals United, because I was like, this is harder now. Where is my tribe? And I couldn't find it, so I built it. But what worked two plus years ago uh, was Upwork. I had most of my leads from Upwork. And it was a numbers game, but there was enough high-level opportunities there. And I had, you know, a great profile and I had recommendations. So I just applied to enough that was interesting and had an ongoing, you know, interviews opportunity. And was able to keep, uh, like I said, three to five small to mid-sized businesses at various stages at any point. Upwork sucks now. It is no longer. What's changed? I don't know what, why, but right now, there are very few high-level, very few people willing to pay the rates for, you know, fractional executives. They will post for that. Like, literally just yesterday, I only go in there once or twice a week because it's nauseating. I literally saw someone post yesterday they wanted a fractional COO for like three to five dollars an hour. And in the US. What? I'm like, serious? Like you're on crack. (laughs) Or or they will be COO slash executive assistant. I'm like, that is not the same person. That is just not the same person. So I don't know, like, no one is telling people on there, you know, like, there is no advice. People can post anything. And that's all that's on there nowadays is, like, this, you know, like either it's people with unreasonable expectations and or, I, I don't know, just unreasonable expectations, period. There are very few roles that are high level and willing to pay. Um, the other thing I've seen is that occasionally there will be a high-level position with a really wide range where they'll be like from 20 an hour to 120 or whatever an hour. And then what I think is happening, because occasionally in one of these, you know, wide range ones, I'd get a hit, but then they schedule the interview for like two weeks out. And my husband's the one that pointed it out that I'm probably the backup. Like if they can't find anyone at the low end, then they'll talk to me. And without fail, I never get to the interview because they find someone who's willing to take less, which, you know, some of these are global and there are other countries where, you know, obviously you don't have to make what we make in the U.S. to, to you know, have a good standard of living, which is fine. But yeah, it's Upwork is no longer a viable solution. So I'm having to do it the hard way, which is, you know, build a network referral let people know find the people and that's why like i and i have a lot of conversations with fractionals obviously who are joining the community or just want to get to know me and the the number one challenge i would say that 85 percent of fractionals have is finding the work and i realized that it's because so 
like maybe 85% of the population doesn't know that fractional hiring is an option. So I'm working with other other fractional community leaders on how do we spread awareness? Like how do we just let the let people know? And this is, you know, things like podcasts like what you're doing and just like people telling others, like each of us can tell everyone that we know this is what we do and explain it because you never know who will tell whom and just get the awareness out there. Like we just put out an explainer video the other day that's getting nice amount of impressions. You know, just spread awareness and eventually more people will know and there'll be more leads and opportunities. One thing I have noticed in terms of uh, American talent versus international talent is that there's a real difference at the management level, right? Like it's not just cultural, although I feel like that's a large part of it, but the the quality of of like leadership and management in the U.S. really is a, a big differentiator and and worth worth the extra money. Um, I've I've seen this uh, personally play out where they go and grab a manager or executive from you know India or Europe, and it's a completely different and frankly less effective style than what you get from you know, typical American leaders. Have any of your clients been people who have, you know, tried every other solution before coming to you? Not that I can think of. Honestly, I don't. Yeah. Not that I can think of. I think they were smart enough to not have to go that route. Um, but I'm sure there are some out there. And another thing that I've I've started to notice are um, effectively there are networks forming inside of the fra uh, fractional community. Um, and a lot of people um, are getting their first couple of clients uh, basically by partnering with somebody who's a little bit more established in the space, who has relatively significant lead flow and, and you know, an umbrella effectively, an umbrella brand. Are you are you also seeing that? What uh, are there any in particular that come to mind that you see are, are are interesting? So I've seen a couple of things happen. Either people are joining what I'm calling like agencies or collectives, right? Like Mike Malloy is one, and I know there's others. So people are either joining them straight out, right? And it, it and it, with the understanding that by joining, if and when you get work, you give a percentage to the the agency, right? Because they're looking for the deals for you and some of them will handle more or less of the logistics for you. And then there are people who are more or less creating their own like little collectives or teams or referral networks, which is more informal like you are your own entity but you kind of like refer work back you know to each other uh i know that so there's a lot that goes on in the community that i am not directly involved with but i am like indirectly aware of which is actually i my my job is to just facilitate things and as long as no one is doing harm i get out of the way so I hear about all of these things, but I don't don't necessarily know how they play out. I know that I created a channel called Fractional Teams because enough people were interested in potentially even trying to apply to positions together and see if they could get into companies that way. 
I haven't heard how that worked or, you know, how far it went. But people are trying all sorts of different kind of interesting things like that. Referral networks obviously have been around forever. And I think they are a very effective way of, of going about because you all know each other, you trust each other, you said work, you were some have like a referral fee, some just do it because it's, you know, like give and get, you know, it'll come around to you. So you don't have to like muddy the water with that. But yeah, it, it at the end of the day, it's the people you know. And as we're looking at like the next couple of quarters, what changes and trends are are you expecting? What what are you seeing uh, coming across the you know over the horizon? I'm hoping <laughs> more fractional roles and leads and awareness, and I'm going to try to push that along. I haven't, you know, I think it's going to continue to grow. I think there's going to be more and more supply and there's nothing we can do about it. So we should just embrace it. I know there are some conversations I'm having about the, that there needs to be some vetting or certification. I, um, there have been some, unfortunately, as happens when something becomes popular, there are those using the word incorrectly and also trying to play off of the buzz. And it's unfortunate because they are devaluing what fractional is by using it incorrectly. And by there's someone out there using like frac, you know, uh, a fraction of a fractional, which is so not what it's intended and just very gimmicky. So hopefully that'll go away and, and people will embrace the value of what it really is. And and the one thing that it needs to be is leadership. You know, it's not just synonymous with part-time work. You know, for fractionals to be effective, they need to be leaders because they have to be able to to do what they do at a fraction of the time, right? They have to be effective and efficient and multipliers. And you can't do that without the experience. Like you have had to have leadership roles. And that's the one caveat the community is open to any current or want to be fractional, but they have to be a leader. Like that's what we look for. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Karina. Uh, where can people find you if they want to get in touch? Sure. So LinkedIn is the best place. Uh, I also have a personal website, KarinaMickley.com. And of course, there's FractionalsUnited.com as well. Well, uh, hope you have a great day. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Fractionally Speaking, and I'm Max, founder of Baton. Thank you for having me.